Good evening, America. Just trying to keep it kind of quiet here. I got the wife next door. She's trying to get some sleep. It is 9.15, 9.15 on Thursday, and sorry that you did not hear from me until now. Uh, it has been a wild week. We've been working hard, uh, waking up early. Uh, unfortunately, the wife's car had something wrong with it. The uh, tire was about to fall off, so I had to take that to the shop. Drove her into work yesterday. Drove her home yesterday. Uh, extra hour of driving for me, but you know, it's all good. That's, uh, that's life. You gotta take it Take what throw, what comes at you, you know? you got to be ready for what life throws at you. You can see I was trying to combine those two things, but oh well, here we go. Uh, man, i got to tell you, I'm still sober, and it's starting to kick in. You know, I can feel the uh, anger, frustration coming up, uh, certainly getting more articulate, which is pretty cool. My thoughts are faster in my head. One thing I was really hoping would, was that my short-term memory would be coming back, and unfortunately, I must have abused it too much there that whatever it was, two weeks, three weeks that I, you know, kind of fell off the wagon because uh, day four, and that's not happening. Now, granted, my sleep has really sucked. I've been waking up at two, four o'clock. My mouth guard is gone. You guys, my mouth guard. Remember how I grind my teeth? And uh, to the point to where I feel like they're going to literally just shatter and I wake up with splitting headaches. So I've been wearing a mouth guard. Problem is, the mouth guard I had started to... Uh, tear up my gums a little bit in the very back just a typical like a what you'd get for soccer field you know or, or a wrestling practice that kind of mouth guard so i ordered a special one for night chewing night grinding and unfortunately after i bit into the mold and sent the mold off to the shop uh allegedly they they broke it or it was damaged in the manufacturing process i wonder if my mold was just shitty um because this time around when they sent me the new stuff back this little putty and you it's it's two different putties that you mix together and for those of you who don't know that's a uh, reaction that's oxidizing right generates a little bit of heat uh, you got a new material it's an it's an type of epoxy if you were shipping hazardous waste that would definitely get a uh, 5.2 hazardous label or a 5.1 so if you see those big tractor trailers going by on the highway and they have uh these little diamond shapes on them with flames or skull and crossbones that's what the department of transportation uses to indicate what sort of substances are inside this trailer so if it were to get a flat tire or if it were to tip over the responders would be aware of the potential hazards so anyway those are called placards by the way those uh, diamond shaped things on trucks so Anyway, this putty, you know, here I am mixing it up, and it's doing its reaction, and I'm like, man, I, I should probably not be putting this stuff in my mouth. Like they say, it's fine, but come on. The government cannot keep up with these uh, chemicals, number one, because there are so many that are put out and patented. And number two, uh, thanks to our old friend G.W. Bush, God bless him, uh, and his vice president, Dick Cheney, you can have a... Uh, what do they call those? Oh my gosh, I'm having a mind blank. But the idea is that... Uh, proprietary, proprietal information, something like that. Nope. Yeah, proprietary, proprietary information where, oh, well, I don't want to tell you what's in this because you might steal it. You know, you might take my, my ingredient list and then produce your own compound. Okay. Well, you know why they did that? It was because of fracking and people want to know what's in this chemical that you're using, that you're pounding into the center of the earth and that's entering the water table. Like, what stuff is in there? Is that safe? Oh, yeah, it's very safe. Okay, well, what's in it? Well, we can't tell you that. Mm, I actually was with a... When I was taking my Hazwopper, which is a 40-hour course, gets you well-versed on all these environmental topics, you know, the uh, hazardous waste industry, the global harmonic system, et cetera, et cetera. And the guy said he was on a fracking site one time and it smelled just like xylene and toluene. Um... Which, by the way, just so you know, 
number one, extremely flammable, goes boom. And number two is 100% unequivocal, without question, a carcinogen. So, uh, thanks to those two fellows, and I'm not saying, you know, politically one way or the other, I'm a fairly conservative guy, I guess, when you think about it, or, or libertarian, I suppose, because I believe people uh, don't need to be babysat, you know, let, let the let their grown-up live their life. Uh, nobody will release the information. So here I am sticking this putty in my mouth, praying to God that it's not going to melt my teeth or give me mouth cancer or something. And uh, I bite into it. And this time the mold's perfect. Well, it's the third time I've done it. So, you know, I finally figured it out. Send it off. And thankfully, I just got an email, literally just got an email two days ago that says it is shipped. So praise the Lord, because otherwise what I've had to do, I've been laying in bed and without a mouth guard, I have to either massage. Well, I say either. I have to massage my jaw and my temple. And so I either use a lacrosse ball or I use my fingertips. And if as long as I go to town for like a good 10 minutes before I go to sleep, then I'm not grinding. When I was a little boy, I had a severe underbite. And strangely, in order to deal with that underbite in some like demonic medieval fashion, the orthodontist had a metal face mask with like a big pad on the forehead and a big pad on the chin and these wicked hooks right in front of your mouth and i had an expander right and so that expander that that piece of metal that is back on your molars that stretches from the right side of your mouth to the left side of your mouth that expander had little hooks on the outside of it in between the tooth and the cheek and so i would take these rubber bands hook them in the mouth and then hook them to this freaking hockey mask that I was wearing every night and it was like somehow supposed to pull my like the upper half of my jaw forward to meet the lower half I don't know it's fucked up man like looking back on it I'm like what on earth like who thought that was a good idea uh but one of the ways I compensated for this like lower jaw you know this underbite is I would just constantly pull my jaw in like I I had that mobility you know I just be like and I just like yank it in and then if I wasn't yanking it in you know it would slip out well, I think what happened is that that tendency to do that, that like go-to information, it started to happen when I was stressed. You know, I'd be like, okay, well, I got to do something, and I at least pull my jaw in. And then, of course, now you're clenching up, right? Like people clench their fists, they clench their arms, they clench their legs, they they hold their breath. Well, for me, it must have turned into whoop, clenching the jaw, pulling the jaw back, and so I end up with these massive knots, these massive rocks. And then you go to bed, and if you know if your life is stressed out, you start grinding your teeth. I'll never forget my my buddy in Vermont. You know, his life's a mess. He, his wife's about to have twins. Um, you know, things at work had been really, really rough and just really, really struggling. And he had to do the same thing. He went to the dentist. They told him you need to get a mouth guard because your teeth are all fucked up. And so there he was. And, uh, man, I'm really praying this thing comes in soon, number one. And number two, that I can eventually get to the point where either A, I'm less stressed, or B, I'm more self-aware through this Vipassana meditation that uh, I'm tightening my jaw so I can stop doing that. Uh, not healthy, apparently. So, no, I have not smoked. Uh, I admit, I admit, I admit. You want to know? Man, so I, I pulled out that bowl the other day. I just had to look at it. I had to take a picture of it, send it to my friend. Terrible, I know, terrible. Dangerous, man, dangerous. And it actually fell apart in three pieces so I could see it even more. And uh, it's so gross. Oh, my God, I want to hit that resin so fucking bad. Like, God only knows how many different strains are, like, all mixed in there, you know? Like, probably would be more like a knife hit. And that's one thing I haven't done in a while. It's funny because sometimes I get an email from people and they're like, oh, your stories are so funny. You know, I like to hear this. And I'm torn because I don't want it to become a celebration. However, 
uh, you know, sometimes it's fun to kind of kick the can around, talk about the good old days. And uh, I'll never forget in college, knife hits, man. People, if you don't know what a knife hit is, you basically, it's almost like a key bump for cocaine, right? So like cocaine, little white powder in a baggie, and you stick a car key in there or something, your apartment key, and you lift out a little dab and, ooh, right up the nose. You know, people used to do it with a fingernail, right? Those coke, those cokehead fingernails. Nine of their nails were perfectly normal, but the pinky nail would be super long, and you'd scoop up a little cocaine with your pinky nail and get it up there. Um, if you were watched like... Uh, Used to be Drugs Inc. or something, right? Like you'd see the guys out in Oakland doing that. Um, fucking gross, really creepy. But uh, a knife hit is when you take hash and uh, you know hard pressed hash, like really, you know, hard pieces, and you would sandwich it between two red hot knife blades. What's crazy is that the smoke comes up in this like perfectly concentrated stream, uh, almost like a line. It doesn't just uh, you know, like a campfire, a billowing cloud. No, no, it's not like that at all. It's this thin stream of smoke. And so, of course, being the highly educated college kids that we were, we would cut a Pepsi bottle in half. And we would take the funnel end of it, you know, the mouthpiece end, you know, grab it, put it in our lips, lean over the knife. One person would be holding the knives. We'd have the bottle. They'd sandwich that hash together and we'd go... We'd breathe in that thin stream of smoke, and then it was like, quick, somebody take the bottle, because the hash is still burning, you know, freak out, oh my god, we're wasting money, oh, you know, oh, like, it's so insane, like, the idea of going to college when you're broke just baffles my fucking mind, like, here is this, like, really important time, you're supposed to be learning things that you're going to be using in your career, uh, and fucking kids are out there eating ramen noodles, and they're it's just it's just strange scraping scraping money together i remember drinking 40s why was i drinking 40s of beast ice well number one because it was like 6.3 percent alcohol right so not a bang for your buck there you can get really fucked up off of 140 if you drank two you were woo on another planet <laughs> but the other reason is because it cost two dollars and 16 cents so you know cheap way to get really jacked up and I'm not proud of that. I am not proud of that at all. I don't know what your college experience was like. Uh, I got some international listeners. That's pretty cool, man. I say I have. I don't really have anything. What the world has is a problem with drugs. We're trying to fill this space in us. We're, and it is a cultural problem with how we interact with drugs and how we revere drugs. And in particular, this drug, which you could argue is a sacred plant, right? Is a sacred drug. It, it has hallucinogenic properties if you were to take it in massive doses in extremely infrequently. Uh, but all that being said, in America, it seemed like the college experience was you, you, you go to school as a freshman and you're drinking Keystone, uh, basically like water. Then from Keystone, you graduate to Rolling Rock. It was a green can and you're like, Ooh, wow. Well, it's not Keystone. So it must be a really cool beer. And then from Rolling Rock, you graduated to PBR and you know, I'm 31 years old. So apparently, uh, in my father's era, PBR was the drink of the drunks. Like, the fucking guys on the side of the road were drinking PBR. But I went to kind of a hippie science college, and let me tell you, PBR was the drink of the hipster. The hipster drank PBR. They were fucking cool. Um, if you weren't drinking PBR, then you were drinking something Canadian, you know, like a Molson. You know, again, another cheap beer, but I find Canadian cheap beer is definitely heads above American cheap beer. And from there, you know, you graduate from PBR to now you're drinking something like Yingling, you know, uh, or you go right from there into 
craft beer. And craft beer is great, you know, uh, if you don't have a palate for it, just go out and drink fucking the strongest one you can for two months straight. That'll do it. Uh, not a good attitude to have, though. Uh, that's the kind of mentality that uh, can get you into trouble with drugs and alcohol. So thankfully, I've always been an athlete, always been very health conscious. So alcohol... You know, I can't drink too much of it because eventually I'm like, I feel like a piece of shit. You know, my body is falling apart and it's like, it's an ugly, nasty feeling. But marijuana, marijuana is more insidious. It's like, it just fucking, you're like a frog in a pot of boiling water. You don't realize how fucking dumb you're getting um, and how dependent you become on the drug and how apathetic you become and how all of a sudden the things on the list aren't that important and like, you deserve a day off. And the other difficult part that I have personally, I don't know about you guys, but I struggle because when I'm high... It's like, oh, I, I deserve this high. Like, I should enjoy it. I shouldn't do anything while I'm high. Now, I have some pothead friends who, when they get high, you know, they, they clean and they do the dishes and la, la, la. But here's the, here's the nuance there. Here's the, here's the line that I think they're not noticing. Is these are the friends that smoke all day. So, listen, if you're going to smoke all day, uh, you know, your life moves on. Like, at some point, you'll have to do dishes. And since you smoke all day, you will do them high. Right? Um, but if you're one of those guys who only smokes in the evening, or gales who only smokes in the evening, well, then it's like, okay, well, like this is my time to put my feet up. This is my time to listen to my wife. This is my time to uh, kind of watch the baby, you know, roll around on the floor. This is my time to uh, read a book or catch up on the news. And so, for me at least, it definitely kills the motivation. And w- one thing I wanted to talk about last time that I did not get to is the pitfalls that I know I'm going to run into, right? Like, so the farther along your sobriety, you know, you run into this hurdle or that hurdle. And at this point, I've tried to be sober so many times, I can kind of predict what's coming down the road. One of the things, one of my sort of stumbling blocks or or hurdles that I need to face is the, uh, not just the aggression piece, but this whole, like, gotta change the world mentality that I have. Like, I, I get myself into trouble because I'm a very impatient person, you know, and to me it's like, well, I, I see what we need to do. It's point A from point B. Like, this is how we how we need to do it. Why isn't everybody else doing that? And uh, it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous in a, in a workplace that has a huge system that has just been going for 100 years and very little has changed. And... Uh, and you can't change it overnight and you can't do it by yourself and you're surrounded by people who've been in the system for a long time you know that is teaching and education in a nutshell or maybe if you're in uh, corporate America for a company that's been around for a long time you know it's like it's not the good old boys club per se but you can't just go in there and start fucking making waves and that's what happens to me I go in there and I'm like woo all right, let's do this and if you wonder why I'm so jacked up right now, it's probably because I have such an extreme level of fatigue. You know, I've hit the hysterical phase. Also because I actually had a really big dinner. And, you know, this whole sense of uh, being born again and letting go of the old competitive athlete. For those of you who don't know, I did uh, I did powerlifting in college. I coached bodybuilding. A good friend of mine with fantastic genetics. And then he and I did a show together before he went on steroids. I wrestled for many, many years, I don't know, like 12 years. I was the uh, captain of our wrestling club in college, which, you know, maybe not a big deal, but pretty cool, you know, wrestlers from all over the country, and I was running the show there. The uh, Northeast has a particularly strong background in wrestling. Nothing to the Midwest. Listen, hey, guys out there in Iowa, don't fucking shoot me. But listen, uh, you know, there are some schools in some places in the Northeast that uh, represent pretty well. And so, anyway, these boys would come in and they, oh, I was regional champ here. I was this, that, here. And then I'd fucking trounce them. 
<laughs> um, but I was also a freak at the time. I was a stud. You know, my neck was bigger than my shoulders. It was, it was crazy. I was literally the BMOC, the big man on campus, even though I was only five foot ten. I was massive. I was a freak, and I have a really tough time letting that go because I'm also, you know, kind of an assertive person, kind of an alpha male, and uh, and also in many ways I believe that it's important. Like my whole life, I have thought that one needs to be able to defend their their loved ones. You know, maybe it's because I grew up reading Little House on the Prairie. You know, when it was Pa going out there and, and working the fields and being an independent man, not being beholden on anybody. And, uh, you know, if there was danger coming, that, that he had he was the one who would have to step up. Or maybe it's just evolutionary biology. You know, maybe it's the fact that, you know, I'm a man. And, you know, whenever we were homo sapien in his earliest stages, right? Like, you know, it, you would be protecting your your woman. You'd be protecting your kids. You'd be protecting your tribe. You know, the, the lion, the leader, the the alpha wolf, you know, the, the, the patriarch lion. I don't know. But whatever. I thought it was important. You know, and I, I guess I'm kind of old-fashioned, too, because I didn't propose to my wife until I got a job. Uh, call me crazy. But I thought that was kind of important, you know, to show that I could be, uh, you know, would be able to financially support us. Even though she had an awesome job, don't get me wrong. It wasn't a com- competition thing. She makes more money than I do. Um, it was just the fact that, you know, I could also show that I'm self-sufficient. So anyway, what I'm having to come to grips with is that I, I, I am not that person anymore. I have a bulging disc in my back. Um, I am littered with injuries um, from overtraining and, and not listening to good advice because I had to experience it for myself. And here I am, full circle, now battling with uh, this whole pot thing after listening to all these motivational speakers when I was a kid and all the time being like, well, that's cool for you. Like, you got to actually do it. And now here you are, and you're sober and clean, and you know you you're gonna go to heaven because you accepted Jesus, and uh, you know where you're talking to these kids, and you're making a bunch of money. So like, you know, you got to do it, and you came out okay. So what the fuck? And it's because unless you walk a mile in the shoes, like you can't appreciate it, you can't understand it. When the guy's up there screaming about how his life is in the pits, and everybody left him, he's on the verge of jail, on the verge of suicide, all this stuff. Like that is meaningless to a 16 year old. That means fucking nothing. And so I I factor that in when I think about, you know, what am I going to say to these kids? You know, I'm a teacher. I want to be the strength and conditioning coach at my school. I'm finally going to have enough time to do that. And I have a whole, like, injury prevention workshop presentation that I've put together. Would love to go around and speak to different groups of athletes about that. And, you know, how do I... How do I get them to appreciate what I'm saying when they themselves have not been faced with the difficulty? Like, they they think they're invincible, right? And so and so did I. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Other than just to look people in the eye. I think that's one of the troubles with uh, a motivational speaker, perhaps, is that they're in this big room filled with people. And, of course, they're good. You know, they look around. But it's not the same thing as a one-on-one conversation. And it's not the same thing as being able to stare into somebody's eyes. Uh, the, the eyes are the window to the soul. And the older I get, it's funny when I was a kid, I used to stare in people's eyes all the time, but it made people uncomfortable by eighth grade. So I was like, all right, I'll stop doing this. And then I, I fell out of the habit. Then it was uncomfortable for me, but now I'm getting older. I'm meditating. I'm more at peace with myself. And, and this is something I've tried to pick back up again in the last few months. It's like staring people in the eye. And it's so crazy. Like you can, you can really read somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, if they're telling the truth and, and not only if you know if they're telling the truth, but like when they're talking, like you understand the intent behind it and you see the fear, you see the anxiety, or you see the truth or you see the peace. Um, and, and, and I'm wondering if that's kind of that, that missing element. That's, that's, that's the, the part that we, we think that is unnecessary in our technological world. But how much about existence don't we know? 
how much about harmonic resonance? How much about the fabric of reality in life? Like Jordan Peterson said uh, something about how like, oh, you know, if dreams are dreams aren't aren't real, you know, parents parents say to their kids, dreams aren't real, but you know, why do we have them for six to eight hours a night, every single night? And why can they be traced in other animal species as well? Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? So anyway, it's just something to think about. I've been, I've been really ripping through here, you guys, and now it's already 936. Let's get into Proverbs. Uh, man, I'm really struggling with the uh, pornography, but I put Instagram back on my phone and fuck me. You know, it's like (laughs) sucking me right back in right fucking back in. So I need to just, I need to fucking get rid of my smartphone. I've been saying this for so long and uh, I haven't done it. haven't done it. It's expensive. This, that, and the other thing. I, I need to just get a track phone. I need to stop all this fucking texting people and all this nonsense. Like call me old school, call me a hermit, but I, and maybe I'm an extremist, right? Like I gotta, I go too far. I take things too far, but my time is valuable. And I listened to a motivational speaker today. Uh, it was like the motivate podcast or whatever. And I'm listen, I'm not impressed with that fellow. Uh, his introductions, they are fucking boring as hell. But the speaker he had on was from the old time days. He's from Boston. Like uh, talking about, you know, cash was clams. Like the vocabulary was hysterical. And uh, the guy talked about like how do you use your time? You know, where where does your time go? And and, and the the in between moments, people t- some people take advantage of, and others don't. So anywho, uh, chapter thirteen. Right, uh, do, 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 do. the light of Lurian, the light of the wicked through insolence comes stripes wisdom received wealth attainment. No, you know what? Yeah, let's do thirteen. I'm sorry. If, if I've already done thirteen, well, you know what? It's fucking good for you. So listen to it anyway. Um, but I've got fourteen over here too. So chapter thirteen: A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of a man's mouth, he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violence. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. A righteous man hates falsehood, but a wicked man acts disgustingly and shamefully. Righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the sinner. There is one who pretends to be rich, but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, but has great wealth. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor hears no rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked goes out. Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is those who receive counsel. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. Good understanding produces favor, but the way of the treacherous is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. A wicked messenger falls into adversity, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Desire realized is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to turn away from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Adversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. 
Abundant food is in the fallow ground of the poor, but it is swept away by injustice. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the stomach of the wicked is in need. And uh, we'll go ahead and look at our main man, the Iceman, Wim Hof. If you're not into the Wim Hof breathing, my God, talk about a great reset. Listen, 10 minutes, 11 minutes. Find that video on YouTube. It's like 11 minutes long. And just breathe along with him. Wow. It's just a great way for me to, like, refresh myself. And uh, our quote from Wim Hof today, If we always choose comfort, we never learn the deepest capabilities of our mind or body. That's Wim Hof. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Hang tough out there. Send me a message, quittingmarijuanapodcast at gmail.com. Those messages, I can't tell you what they do for me, man. I I feel bad because there might be some of you listening who sent me one uh, a couple months ago or maybe it was like three months ago and I fucking blew you off because I was deep in the pit of smoking and I was ashamed and just couldn't even bear to look you in the eye. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to my friend. Um, You know who you are there. uh, my my fellow my fellow teacher, um, I've been thinking about you often. I think about you often. I hope you're kicking ass and taking names over there. All right, and uh, you know, it, 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 uh, my life is better for having had you in it. So uh, send me those messages. Uh, every time I get discouraged, or I'm thinking about smoking. Somebody talks to me, and then I'm like, fuck. You know, fuck. I have this obligation now. Like I'm a, I'm a fucking leader in some ways. Um, so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And and may you lead me, you know, for those for those of you out there who maybe put some serious time in six months or a whole year or something like that. Like, wow, like, man, send it to us. Tell us tell us the positives. You know, I, I feel like we talk about the negatives a lot. Tell us a positive, you know, and if you're somebody who definitely can articulate the negatives, uh, share that too. I have an email actually from a young lady and uh, I'm going to do that next time. Okay, I haven't, I, I'm not, I'm not blowing people off. I at least responded to her so she knows that I read it. I want to include it. Uh, but tonight, obviously with this like hysterical mind that I'm in, whoo, I just had to unload on everybody. So uh, I had a great day school it was a camp day so i brought a tent to school taught the kids how to set up a tent uh brought the first graders out with us today their teacher asked if they could accompany us on the nature trail because i'm one of the only teachers who takes kids on the nature trail and uh just great just great time and i got home late today because of course that alternative program they do a lottery system to get in and so they had like an informational night for parents so i went up there to be a part of that and kind of learn more about it as hopefully in two years uh i can be the guy so hey lots of love everybody remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment we'll see you next time